was with that priest, so it was really bizarre. And then the second time it was with my actual sponsor, but it was one of those ones where it's so long. Like if my mother did 500 transgressions, I wrote about every fucking transgression. Yeah. Instead of, the point is to see the patterns. Yep. Of our behavior. You know, how did our character defects get activated by the life we lived? Yeah. And then how to, how to cope with that, how to make, where do we owe amends? You know, who have we fucked over? Um, how to be different, how to go through change, and a sponsor can help you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, what is our topic today? I'm so excited about this topic. This is, we are going to discuss how you survive or move through a breakup in recovery. Mm. Lots of experience here. Yeah, because most of us, I mean, get high, get drunk, get laid. Like, yeah. that's the way. <laughs> the quickest way to get over someone is to get under somebody else. That's yeah. how I used to do it. So how do you do it, especially in early sobriety? Like, we're not supposed to be making major decisions in our first year, mm. but breakups happen. Sometimes you have to leave. Yeah. I know uh, several, well, two women right now in their first three months that are going through breakups. So yeah. I've been through a breakup in recovery. You've been and counseled people mm-hmm. through breakups in recovery. Right. Um, Which do you want to start? Yeah. So I was two and a half years sober when I went through my divorce. Mm. And how I got through that is how I tell other people in recovery to go through it. Stay in meetings. Ground yourself in meetings. Talk to your sponsor. Tell them what's going on. Um it's hard to navigate and to know what, how much grief is okay because grief is its own process altogether. But you have to be going to more meetings than usual when you're mm. going through a breakup because you're emotionally going to be triggered and activated. And that is like prime breed, breed, breeding ground for an addiction to say, you know what would help you figure this out? Yeah. You know what make you feel, feel better? better. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's less about... Um, what do I get back together do I stay on my own do I do this and more about protect your sobriety by being in recovery and by being around other alcoholics Mm. the way you would if someone died if you lost your job like you navigate it the exact same way more meetings more fellowship um therapy I think is a great idea there's a slogan that I just heard last night that I'd never heard about called activity is the key to sobriety don't hold yourself away work out go to church force yourself to get out and be with friends actually ballroom dancing saved me during my separation because it forced me to get out to interact with other people to stop being in my bed and crying and not eating and whatever else so I think actually even though I think this podcast will get a lot of listens because of the breakup aspect Um, I think it's applicable to any loss that you're experiencing in your life because it's a loss and it's not a micro loss. It's a major loss, any relationship and, um, getting newly sober, you're changing also in your relationship. Like your partner's probably still going to be the same, but you're the one that is doing something different. And the truth of the matter is you won't know how to get through it until you get through it. Because if you've never been sober in a breakup, this is all going to be a huge learning curve. Um, I was just going to say, <clears throat> and listen to your sponsor. <laughs> yes. You know, I used to get so mad. Um, so I went, I went through, I've gone through a couple breakups actually in recovery and not listened to my sponsors 
Um, the first time I went through the breakup uh, was with my ex-wife, uh, Lisa. We'd been together for nine and a half years, 10 years when we broke up. So it was a huge one for me. There was a child involved in that. Um, and so that was also another issue. Like you have a step stepchild as well. Mm-hmm. Although my kid says I'm not allowed to use that term. I'm not a stepmother. There's ain't no step in this relationship, I'm told. Mm. I am a mom. I like that. I know. God bless him. I love him so much, mm-hmm. Max. Love you. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of difficulty around that as well. Does this mean I'm not a mother anymore? Am I still a mother? What's my relationship I know. there? That was I difficult. Went through that too. I had seen what devastation uh, my poor kid had suffered when his biological parents broke up, and how the father used that as a tool. Um, so that was really difficult, and I had to learn to, you know, not me. It wasn't about me. I had to learn how to put that child first. Um, but there was a lot of crazy things I did. Like I moved across the street so that I could keep an eye on my ex. I was fucking crazy. Binoculars. And, uh, and then when she'd date, you know, I'd be out there walking, quote unquote, walking the dog, I called it, which was really a euphemism for stalking my ex and looking up at the window to see if I could see anybody up there and see if there were lights on and just fucking insanity. torture. I know. I tortured myself. You did. Um, so eventually, you know, the sane part, um, when I came back, because that's when I went back out, right? So I went back out and I drank. Oh, that, no wonder. That was the choice I made. <laughs> Anything would be better than this hell. So yeah, I drank. Then when I got sober, I moved. So I, I thought, this is not good for me. This is not healthy. There needs to be separation. Mm-hmm. So I had to create physical distance. Um, and that's what I did. That's probably smart. And that helped. Not... Um, not calling that person not we were trying to hang out we tried to be friends Mm. too soon Mm. um and it wasn't working out well first we tried to be just fuck partners that didn't work out either oh really that failed that's also bad (laughs) (laughs) yeah and she admits her part in that too like you know when she first showed up at my door and nothing but a trench coat and stiletto heels was after she saw me with someone else oh wow yeah so that other someone else didn't seem to matter when my ex was there at the door mm-hmm. with nothing but a trench coat and stilettos on. I was like, who? What? <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> Thinking I'd get back. And it wasn't. It was just, yeah. you know, and I couldn't do, I couldn't do casual sex um, as that in that sober state of mind. That wasn't uh, easy for me either because the heart was wanting a relationship yeah. with this person. So I had to come to terms with that's, I'm not going to get that. So I got to stop torturing myself. Um, listening to your sponsor, my sponsor, um, when I was thinking about a new relationship, the caution was, well, are you a year sober? And at that time, I don't think I was. And I said, well, I've been around the program. And he's like, it's not the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) You haven't been actively engaged in AA. You haven't been actively engaged in doing the steps. Um, you're not fully through this process yet of taking the steps again. Um, so he got me to do page 69 in the big book, which is where oh, they talk <laughs> They talk about sex stuff. Um, and it talks here about, we reviewed our own conduct over the years past. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Whom had we hurt? Mm-hmm. So again, we're not looking at what the other person does. We're taking responsibility for our own actions. Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and we looked at it. In this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. 
Which is, that's the fourth they're talking about. Yeah. The fourth step inventory, which is always a great idea in a breakup. And if you have been in touch with your sponsor through whatever length of your sobriety is, they will help you because you're in a heightened emotional state. Look at what those things are so you can see your part. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for me, when I was thinking about later on down the road after my, I've, again, this is my hopefully my final time in recovery, my third time back. And uh, we did another one um, before I was dating anybody. And he said, um, I want you to think about what your ideal um, future sex life will be like, your Hmm. future partnership will be like, what will that entail? You know, looking at the transgressions of the past, how are you going to shape that sane new ideal? So we're being idealistic about the behaviors in the future. Um, And I think that's important because when I first wrote this list and sent it to him, he laughed at me and sent it back and said, I didn't ask you for your wish list Mm. because that's exactly where my head was at. That's what I would have thought too. What what do I want? Who, what do I want my partner to look like, act like, think like, you know, um, be the envy. I want to be the envy of all the dudes and all the dudettes. (laughs) When my, my wife or my future girlfriend walks in, I want them to be jealous of me and Mm -hmm. all that, all that I have. He's like, no, Lisa, what are you going to offer? So it's a completely different way of looking and at it. And who are you? Are you the kind of person you want to be with? Yeah, exactly. Are you trustworthy? Yep. Are you reliable? Are you giving? Are you kind? Um, yep. Can you take care of another person? Can you put someone else first? You want all these things. In order to get those things, you have to be those things. Yeah, so. or else you'll never recognize it in another I don't know what patience is in another person if I don't have a blueprint for what that looks like in me. Mm-hmm. It's why the concept of you can't really love and sacrifice for someone else unless you know what love and self-sacrifice is for yourself. And I think especially when you go through a breakup, um, honoring your emotions but not letting them drive the car. Like emotions are great passengers. They're terrible drivers. Mm -hmm. So be in your grief and honor your sadness but don't let it become a victim pity party poor me. And if you do give it a timeline. Like I remember going through a breakup um, a couple of years ago and being like okay we're going to have five minutes or ten minutes where we get to obsess and think about this person and be upset and then we're shutting it down. Mm -hmm. Because I will take that into the tenth level of hell. Because there is a part of me that loves to be in misery that has a romance with the darkness and the grief and the falling on the floor and the sadness and my addiction sees that and goes oh good oh this is good this is very good and I can't let it link up with that anymore so let us in the program take care of you if you're grieving over a death of a person a death of a relationship a death of a job death of a child like we have seen the gamut of loss in our fellowship people losing children people losing their health and dying like Mm -hmm. let us love you and support you and give you what you need to get through it because you will not do it alone that's how we got in here is alone Mm -hmm. the first word of the first step is we so let the collective we help you through it here's a good sign i think if um if you can't delete that ex's number Ooh, that's hard from your phone then you need serious help you definitely need to be relying on that sponsor i did have a sponsee a couple of years ago was in a relationship and it didn't work out and and the first thing i said was have you deleted their number no well we're in a group chat together leave the group chat if they're not going to leave the group chat you need to leave the group chat 
you need to delete their number. Uh, well, what if they call me? Block their number. Mm-hmm. Then they can't call you. That's a hard step. Because what you're doing, if you're not able to do that, is you are holding out for hope. You are holding yeah. on to your will that maybe things will change. Um, I, I can tell you that Lisa and I, we broke up probably five times before we actually really ended it. So to me, it was inevitable. It was always inevitable. We knew that there was something wrong with this relationship. We just kept holding on to our will. Mm-hmm. So, and it didn't work. So delete their number um, and then call your sponsor. When you think of texting that person, when you think of calling that person, call your sponsor and say, hey, I'm thinking about so-and-so. Um, do you have time to talk or do you have time for a coffee? Yeah. Do you have any suggestions for me? I'm, I can't stop thinking about them right now. And if you are a co-parent, that will be harder. Oh, yeah. But you've really got to focus on the kids yep. and maybe set boundaries. Like, See, my kid please was older. don't call me unless it has to do with the children. Please yeah. don't text me unless it has to do with the children. Yeah. You just, that's your responsibility as a parent. You got to suck it up and be there for your kids. Mm-hmm. You don't, you know, I mean, I've done this. You don't talk bad about the other person. Absolutely. You let them talk about their feelings, the kids. Mm. It's not an easy thing. I remember that was the first time I heard from my ex in a while when our kid ran away from home and ended up coming to my place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, my ex was mad. Uh-huh. You, 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 you're letting them stay there? I'm like, what do you want me to do? Aren't you glad they're not missing anymore? Like now we know where they are. Yeah. They're here. And I said, don't worry, I'm not saying anything bad about you. And there are rules here. I doubt that he will stay for very long. And he didn't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, okay, yeah, you can stay here, but you need to make up your bed every day and the dishes need to be done. And yeah, Yeah. I don't think what your mom said was unacceptable or, you know, she's just maybe learning to set boundaries with you. Yeah. But you're welcome here and I love you and you can stay as long as you want because this this way we know you're safe. Three days later, they'd gone home. We, I have watched, we have watched vicious divorces Mm -hmm. take place in the rooms of recovery and both sides someone that has walked through it with patience and grace and surrender and people that have walked through it in a really combative nasty way but more often than not I had a really good divorce a loving healthy Mm -hmm. painful non-combative divorce and I've seen other people walk through the rooms and just can't believe the patience that they have and the way they won't engage in fighting and the way they trust their higher power to work it out and that will save thousands of dollars both in legal fees and therapy but a lot of time. I had a friend who um, fought her divorce for several years in recovery I think it was more than two And there was case after case and then, you know, they kept going back and forth and they kept going back to the judge and then it would get put off for something else. I forget what that's called. Um, But it was constant fighting and constant battle. And then she came to a point where she did what was suggested in the rooms and she went and met with, they went, met with their lawyers and she just said, what do you want? Like, what is it you want? Mm -hmm. Because I just don't want to keep doing this. I'm sorry for what I did to you. Um, I was very broken. And what is it you need for us to move forward? It's an amend. And and then everything softened. Yep. And this person had, um, her ex had wanted her to pay for the wedding and was just out for all kinds of, she didn't have the money. He was out to make her bleed financially because mm-hmm. he was broken and hurt himself. Mm-hmm. But when she did that turnaround, everything changed in that moment. And she's like, I can't believe it. I've been That's fighting this for like three years. 
Yeah. And now it's fine. And then I have another uh, sponsee who was like living outside of her house, but she kept getting all this outside advice. Oh, you're giving up your marital home. You need to get back in there. Yeah, I got all that advice too. And I'm just like, if you get back in there now, you barely know, you know, how to live your life differently. You need more help. You have barely begun the steps. You don't have the tools you know what it was like before. You're, then you're going to go back in there and you still don't know how to deal with that situation. Mm-hmm. You're going back in too soon. Take a breath. Give them space. Give them time. Don't yes. force your way back in. Yep. How do you think that's going to make him feel if you force your way back in now? He doesn't want you there. Be patient. Give it over to God. Um, ask for help. Yeah, she was like sleeping in her childhood bedroom in her parents' house as a woman in her 50s. Mm-hmm. It was With bad. five kids at home and a, a two-year-old. Yeah, and how that turned out was she listened to you. She leaned on a lot of us, and mm-hmm. now she's back. Yep. She would go over there every day to take care of her baby, and then after her baby was tucked in, she'd leave. And that was the part Fucking that was ripped her apart. difficult for her, leaving at night, not being there in the middle of the night when the baby wakes up. Yep. And all that stuff. But um, the family didn't want her there. He didn't want her there. And so we just asked her to try to trust in God and be patient and have faith. And eventually um, the invitation came that she could come back Mm -hmm. and they could try it. Mm -hmm. And they did try it. And that was, what, four years ago now. So, Mm -hmm. And sometimes it doesn't work out like that. Nope. I found one of the most powerful things that I could pray for in a breakup was help me to let them go. Help me to let this go. And it took me time to get there. But sometimes me letting go is too far of a jump. It's God, please help me to surrender this and let it go. That's always like the mini step in between all the steps too. Like help me to want to do step three. Help me to do the, to have the willingness to make an event. Yeah. So for me, I think it's learning. I've learned this program has taught me really what love is. Mm-hmm. And when I, before I came into this program, I didn't really know what love was. Um, I thought passion, uh, which was really just lust. another word for drama <laughs> and lust. Yeah, God, I, thought, I love the lust. I thought passion meant, you know, love, but it was chaotic. Yeah. And those relationships were chaotic. Um, love really is selfless. Self-sacrifice. Think of that St. Francis Assisi prayer. So good. That to me is the epitome and definition of a loving relationship. Help me to be loving instead of to be loved, to forgive instead of be forgiven. So good. To be under, to understand rather than to be understood. You know, it's it, it's the giving instead of the seeking. Yeah, that in giving I am receiving. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the, the old adage of if you love something, let it go. And if it was meant to be, it will come back to you. But don't hang on to that idea. Ooh, if I let it go, then it'll come back to me. No, it, it's just about the letting go. Yeah. And the and uh, and I think love is um, accepting things as they are. I love you. I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you accept me for who I am. Mm, same. <laughs> It's wonderful. So hopefully that has helped you out a little bit. Um, You know, there is that um, advice that's given in the first year, try not to get into a relationship because it's, it's not that we don't want you to live your best life. It's that we have been there and we know how difficult it is to then, now you're not only having to learn how to manage your own life, but now you're having to learn how to manage a life with another person. Yeah. It's like running with a broken leg. Like you're not healed yet. You're not 
fixed yet. And if you go out and do that, you're going to be twice as broken as you were before. Mm -hmm. So just don't, people. And you're taking a hostage. Don't fucking do it, please. (laughs) Yeah. And still, it's that old thinking, that old way of thinking, well, you know, all I need is for somebody to love me. All I need is someone else to take care of me. Mm-hmm. So it's not an act of being selfless if you're still seeking and you're still looking for somebody else to fill that void within you. Well, and that's your expectation of what love is. Like, I can be loved and adored and taken care of in our fellowship. I am all the time. But I would throw a temper tantrum because I'm like, no, but I want it like in this way. Right. Like I want to be a, cuddled at Like night. a man in my bed, which is very natural because mm-hmm. we are built for partnership. It yeah. is very natural. But we have to be patient and realize I can have that spot fulfilled for me in this way while I'm waiting for it to be fulfilled in that way. Mm-hmm. And if I trust God, what's going to come to me, not of my own design, is like gold real 18 karat gold versus gold plated right like i will always settle for the gold plated now then wait for the gold that will last me forever a year from now when god brings it to me because he will i promise you your higher power will you just have to trust and think about like attracting like if you look at your inventory before you're at the amends stage before you've gone through the 12 steps you're looking at how broken you are Mm -hmm. and think of that because that's what you're going to attract. Sick attracts sick. You're going to attract that broken, sick person. Because what healthy, normal person wants to actually be with a sick, fucked up person? Right. I don't. I don't want to deal with someone who's a, a train wreck. Yeah. So if I got to fix my... Like you said, I want to be with someone who... Um, like, would you want to be with yourself? Mm-hmm. How would you like to be with that yeah. mess right over there? I remember... Um, I wouldn't want to be with me from five years ago. No. Or eight years ago no. when I was cheating on my husband. I wouldn't want to be with that person. It's like the friends that I have had that have had affairs. And all they want is to be with the man they're having an affair with. And I'm like, you do realize he's cheating on his wife. <laughs> like, is that what the bar you're aiming for? I did it. So yeah. I know. Yeah. That's the bar I was aiming for. I want a guy that has me as a side chick. Oh, right. Nice. Excellent. Until he gets another side check. Right. Because that's what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. That's the pattern. <laughs> and cheaters don't always cheat. Just like out- drunks aren't always going to be drunks. Like yeah. this program really refines every part of your life if you just let it. Mm-hmm. But they've got to change first. I remember I had a horrible relationship in um, early, early sobriety. Um, and it, again, it was about taking back my will and wanting what I wanted and not listening to sponsorship and um, just saying, well, you don't know. Like, you don't know. I'm suffering. I'm lonely. I just don't want to be lonely. And I ended up with the most fucked up person <laughs> for a while, for about a year and a half. Ooh, that's, that's long. That's a long time. That's long. Right? For a placeholder. Yep. Yes. And in the first month, I knew this person is bad news. Mm-hmm. They're terrible. They're not for me. They're not good for me. And I thought... This person is behaving in all the ways that I used to behave. It was really this eye-opening experience. Wow, that's what it was like to be with me. That's what it was like. Um, And so I think there was a part of me too that was um, punishing myself. Like I was, it was like retribution for the horrible person that I had been in relationships. Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like maybe I deserved this. Mm -hmm. And I think there was also a savior aspect to it that maybe she would see that, look, what happens when you're in recovery, you can have this too. 
Um, but no, that wasn't that wasn't to be. So yeah, eventually, it ended, which was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. So and then I learned to be alone, which was very good too. And, and it took and it took a long time for me to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. It was actually interesting that I actually said, okay, okay, God, I can remember saying like this conversation. I always think of um, Tevya, you know, the Fiddler on the Roof. Have you ever seen Fiddler on the Roof? No. Oh my God, it's the fucking best movie ever. Musical. You have to watch it. Okay. Tevya, he's an old Jewish man. He walks around talk, having conversations with God all the time. Oh, okay. But on the other hand, <laughs> but on the other hand, he's always talking to God. Anyway, so I remember talking to God one day and just saying, okay, fine, fuck, I get it. All the, th- all the signs, all the signals point to me being alone. Is that what you want? You want me to be alone? Okay. I, I submit. I accept. If that's what you want for me, I need to learn how to be okay being alone. Fine. And about three months later, Ashley and I met. Oh, cool. So. I gave my will up to God in terms of romantic partnership. It wasn't like that, though. It was five five years ago. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm not, I can't do this. I hated online dating. I was always disappointed. And I went, you know what? You know who I am. You know what I want. You know what's good for me. I'll wait for you. Cool. Yeah. So try that. Try it, please. Pick up. Thanks for listening. <sighs> yes. We appreciate you. If you have any other questions or you need support and you're going through a breakup, you can email us at the number two soberchicks at gmail.com. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. And this has been Two Sober Chicks. Two Sober Chicks.